Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I am delighted to be here this Thursday afternoon with James McKenzie, JP Mason, taking a well-earned break over the Christmas and New Year period. If you're tuning in, JP, I hope you're having a great time and you are preparing for the big one this weekend, as we all are, James. Uh, You have been furiously typing away all week on the old blog. That'll keep us going at the end of the year. And I think today it's all about looking at where we are and how we select that side, how confident you feel that we are. But as the tagline says, James, regardless of the the form, which has been Jekyll and Hyde, topsy-turvy, very inconsistent, I still think that we've got a wily old Fox and Rogers when it comes to a fixture like this. And I think he showed that Ibrox earlier this season, James. Yeah, I think... If you look back to that situation at the start of the season, I think we were worse off then than we are now heading into the game. I mean, you look at the yeah. complaints. It was it was the first time fans had felt negative about the club in about, what, two seasons? It was under Andrew Foster. It was probably the first time we'd felt negative about the club since maybe about six games into Andrew Postacoglu's tenure. So yeah. I think... We were absolutely battered with injuries. And when you look at the situation at Celtic, we kind of still are battered with injuries. There's a lot of key players that would have been the first name on Brendan Rodgers' team sheet that aren't going to be able to be named on his team sheet this weekend. You're thinking Cameron Carter-Vickers. Brendan Rodgers has only been able to play Real Hattati in about seven games this season. I mean, mm-hmm. and he was a player that we had that up there as one of the best players last season. A sort of luxury player, a flair player, a creative player which is coincidentally exactly what Celtic have been missing when you look at some of the defeats this season. Yeah. But I think the last two games will have got a long way to rebuild some confidence and momentum to that team because getting booed off the park, not only at half-time, but at full-time against Hearts as well, well, I've really shot the confidence. And we know Brendan Rodgers was a bit scathing with his comments about the players that I think Liam Scales mentioned in the media that it hurt to be criticised by the manager like that and have him questioning your your passion things <laughs> such as that which are all key aspects to have at Celtic but the last two games I think will go a long way in rebuilding the confidence then we got booed off at half time against Livingston don't forget because we'd been knocking on the door the entire time but the anxiety was still there and scoring the 46th minute you immediately quell a lot of those doubts and it was a really similar game against Dundee. It was, you're knocking on the door, perhaps even more than we were against Livingston in that first half. But yeah. we just couldn't get the goal. Then you get the goal early in the second half. And most of the doubts are quelled. There's still a bit of anxiety that if I know Dundee could come back into this. But a late brace, a late double salvo from none other than Mikey Johnson. And 
that made the score fit the performance a little bit more because that yeah. that wasn't a one 0 game. That was it was all Celtic from start to finish. And when you look at like the defences looked a bit more assured over the last two games. I know you're playing against Livingston, who have been on a slide. I think heading into the game against us, they had two goals in the last nine league games. They're going down. They're going down. This, I think this, people have been calling it at the start of every season, but I think this is finally going to be the season where Livingston go down. But that's, we've only faced one shot on target in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty decent. I mean, the defence has looked pretty assured. I know the wing-backs had come under a bit of criticism. We'd played against two sort of average teams, although Dundee have been really overperforming for a promoted team this season. Yeah. But we're, we're looking better than we were going off the field against Hearts two weeks ago, which I think the way you should look at things, we're looking a bit better. What I wanted, uh, I think if I go back to the Kilmarnock game, James, uh, just as I share our link on the socials here, multitasking, some people say we can't do it. There we go. Um, That's as good as it gets. So when I was looking back at that Kilmarnock game, the disappointment of that game, already I had one eye on the the Rangers game, um, the derby on the 30th. And I I started looking at the fixtures saying that we need to start this resurgence to build the momentum and the confidence um, and the rhythm. And and I thought that Feyenoord was the first step towards it. Um, But it was almost like the the Jekyll to the Hyde, wasn't it? Uh, you, we got the performance, and I think all three performances, to be fair, in the Champions League at home this season, there's been plenty uh, to, to be positive about. You know, if you look at those three games, um, and, and the biggest other game domestically being the Rangers game, uh, and look at how we've approached them. Um, not as much flair at Ibrox, but the three home games in the Champions League, I'm looking at that thinking, look, there's definitely something to be positive about. There's something to work with here. And they followed that up with that really, really poor performance, the worst performance of the season against Hearts. And I mean, that's saying something when you remember the uh, the first Kilmanic defeat in the Cup. That was a really poor day at the office. And I remember since then... We still um, had chances in that game. We, did. we still had chances. The thing is, against Hearts, there was a lack of fight. I think the goals, they were poor goals to concede anyway, although one of them is a fantastic free kick. You shouldn't be giving away that free kick in the first place. Mm-hmm. One thing you never want to see from a Celtic team where the expectation is to win and win comfortably every single week. You never want to see it seem like the team is lacking a bit of passion, a bit of fight. When the back is against the wall, when the going gets tough, that's usually when you find out who the real Celtic quality players are. And no one was stepping up. And I think that is what led to even more frustration in the ground. Just the and, fact and, that and what no one really seems to want to go for it. You've used some words there, and Brennan Rogers used them himself, James. Uh, when you start he- hearing a manager using words like desire, I start calling, passion. Start calling me a cheerleader. <laughs> oh, the cheerleaders exist elsewhere. Obviously, Brennan Rogers is going to Newcastle this week. That's another story. They're so predictable. But Rogers was using that type of language, wasn't he? And, he? and he continually uses the word ambition. You've got to show ambition. And he's not talking about the players in their careers. He's talking about in-game ambition to do things like take ownership of the game like you're talking about nobody seemed to want to do that I think McGregor uh, always looks to be doing it um, but beyond that he, he, he singled out McGregor I think Scales and O'Reilly they were the three players who didn't get flack from Rodgers after the Hearts game so it was a, a, a situation where we only had two games then because I'm thinking flying our Hearts Livingston Dundee get ourselves primed get ourselves ready for this Rangers game. And it was like stop start. So we had to start again. And we had to start again against the worst team in the league. Um now I'm going to take as much positives as we, we can from those two victories. You've got to, right? But at the same time, you have pointed out there that uh, over the 180, 190 minutes of football, James, uh, these teams, did you just say they didn't have a shot on target between yeah, Dundee had a shot on target? One shot. One shot. So, so I hope that doesn't lead to a bit of complacency. It's a different game. Right, yeah, it's a different game on Saturday, isn't it? Would you rather he was facing no shots than he was facing a barrage of shots for the goalkeeper? Would you want him to be as prepared for what Rangers are going to throw at him as possible? Better both. Better both. And I think the biggest concern isn't isn't so much Hart. I mean, I've criticised Hart for not being commanding enough. And we're going to go right through the team. Tell us what you think the starting eleven is going to be. Obviously, there's a question mark around Cameron Carter-Vickers. Uh, the pre-match press conferences will confirm whether or not he makes it. I don't think Rogers should confirm either way. I've been saying that for a few weeks now, James. 
don't give us an update. I know the fans always want to know who's available and who's not. Don't tell anybody. Don't let Rangers prepare uh, even more than they've been given the opportunity to for this particular game. Um, and I think Joe Hart, I've been crit- critical of him for not commanding his area. We've been very, very weak, particularly at the set piece. Shanklin's goal uh, was that argument in one nutshell, in one goal. That's what we do wrong. Yeah, just for I think- that, I saw when it was... I was watching the Edinburgh Derby yesterday. Sky pulled up a graphic. It was teams who have conceded the least goals from set pieces in the Central Premiership this season. Hearts were at the top with zero. They'd flashed up the top six teams, the team, six teams who have conceded the least, and Celtic weren't on that graphic, I don't think. So that should that should speak volumes to it. It reminds me of during that 10 0 attempted season where you'd see the stat it was goals conceded in the last 10 minutes or yeah. goals conceded from set pieces. It was really clear where. Achilles here was and it's still clear now I don't think the set piece situation really got sorted out even under Ange I still remember in the two seasons under Ange we're conceding a lot of goals from set pieces and it's, it's something you should really be looking to try and fix see the, these two disciplines uh, or, or is it one discipline but at each end of the park where you defend the set piece and you attack the set piece Celtic are very poor at both and if you were to get the Celtic side right up to speed with those two disciplines, James, then you're looking at a different team because you're right, we're far too easy to score against. And yeah, then when it comes to... Okay, teams in Scottish football, they're not going to be able to beat Celtic with real flashes of quality. If they're going to score against a Celtic team, it is going to be where there's a strike of luck involved from something like a set-piece. So on the other side of the coin, they will be focusing directly on we can get them at set-pieces. He's the smallest player there. Yeah you stick on him and that's where you can get a team like Celtic because the chances of them cutting a team like Livingston cutting Celtic open with a fantastic passing move, it's not really going to happen. It's not going to happen. And and see in the final third, James, that's where they can buy free kicks. Anywhere in the final third for our opposition is giving them an opportunity. They flight a ball in. We're failing to deal with the danger and uh, we're losing far too many easy, easy, cheap goals as a result of that. Uh, the discussion yesterday as well. I think you've seen. You, I think you've pulled it up many times in the show. Uh, guys like Alistair Johnston, Greg Taylor, when it's clear set pieces are Achilles' heel, don't be needlessly pulling someone's shirt about in, in the final third. There's no need to do that. You're just bringing unnecessary pressure on us. And I think I remember you pointed out just before Hart scored that single. That's a terrible free kick to give away, mm-hmm. and what you know, they go and score from it. So yeah. it's not just a case of defending the set pieces. It's all about don't even let that opportunity appear in the first place because it's remove clear that that's what the problem is. Remove it at source. Remove the root of the problem, which is giving giving them away in the first place. Um, I pitched a, a query yesterday, James, and a, with a completely open mind in relation to our corner kicks, uh, and with the caveat being, I understand why globally football has changed when it comes to flighting in a corner, trying to get the big man with his head on it, right? But when you are getting as many corner kicks as Celtic are, and I think the average is between, is it 14, 15, a game domestically? We need to get some kind of payout at some point. And it's a way of, listen, if we can't flight the ball in and win the header, right? And I was watching a wee compilation earlier, you know, oh, 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 I scored a few headers for us, you know, and, and I don't think he's doing enough of that, actually, when you consider how many corner kicks we get. Uh, on the socials, it was raised that our footballers now more cautious due to the, the educational element and the awareness of the fact that heading the ball in later life can affect you. Um, yeah, you've got to consider that, absolutely. Are we training less? Well, you know, guidelines have started to be introduced in football, James, where you've not to head the ball as often. You know, back in the day, it was it was a head and drill where you'd have been... I remember speaking to Andy Lynch for the uh, his autobiography, Hoop Stars and Stripes, which is up there, up there on my shelf. Um, and Andy used to... T- he told me that they would have this drill where the balls would be crossed in. So obviously, guys like Charlie Gallagher and all that are getting uh, practice of crossing the balls in, all the wingers, and then players would be heading the ball. And it was a drill, and it went on for ages and ages and ages. And then because it was at Barrafield, they would have to go and get their own ball after it went behind the goals. And Andy said that he remembers, you know, actually it was almost like the old Tweety Pies flying around the head after about 10, 15 minutes, ahead on these heavy balls. So I, I totally get that aspect of it. And if that's the case, and Celtic aren't flighting the balls in 
uh, because players are not actually drilled. Um, although looking at Liam Scales the other week, he knows exactly how to do it. Um, so then we need to find a better way. Looks like Louise Palmer's trying to score from every corner he takes. I, I can't know, remember if it was someone on the axle chat, but he just keeps firing right onto the goalkeeper's head. And well, I'm sure we'll touch on Louise Palmer later on. So I'll, I'll save my point on Palmer for now because I'm sure we'll and get yeah. from that later on. We'll go for every one of them uh, as we try and build our side going into the weekend, James. Um, and all, obviously, when we're talking about certain positions, I think what comes in at this time of year is a discussion around where we need to strengthen as a team as well. Um, and I think that's an issue. Our corner kicks, and then when you're playing Rangers, that average obviously isn't maintained. It's uh, far reduced from um, the average that we get against the likes of Livingston and Dundee, etc. Uh, sorry if I disappeared for a moment there. I'm back, and I'll keep talking all my way through it. So, w- with regards to the the corner kick situation, um, yeah, we've got we've got Palmer, we've got O'Reilly, we've got Turnbull taking them. Uh, when Turnbull's on the park. But as you say, I think uh, Palmer's been quite wasteful from the corners, although he has come into his own. Um, and we'll get to him once we start talking about the, the winger situation. Now, going into this game, let's start with the defence then. Uh, we have no option, obviously, um, between the sticks. Joe Hart gets the gloves every single time. But I'm going to, I'm going to go back to these, these big moments, I think, against Rangers. Um, and there was big moments against Rangers under Ange Postecoglou and, of course, in the, the game under Brennan Rodgers this time round, where I think Joe Hart's been a big player for us, James. And I think that, you know, as much flack as he's getting, there's huge periods of uh, games where he's just not called into action. And then you've got to step up. So the the focus of the goalkeeper is absolute pivotal. It's pivotal for you to get the win. I think we've got that with Joe Hart. With his experience, he's playing a slightly different game than he did under Angela. Let's not forget. I mean, we never talk about that now, do we? The amount of time that he spent on the ball under Ange Postecoglou, the amount of time after the game, James, we would say a heart-and-mouth moment once again because he tried a shimmy or a dangerous pass across his own goal and all this kind of stuff. That's been cut out of his game, but nobody seems to be mentioning that that's an improvement in Joe Hart's game this season. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and if you look back to the, the first time of the season, there's a moment late in the game that could... So there's probably one or two moments late on in that game that so easily that could have been a one all draw if Joe Hart doesn't put out the big save. The big one is, I think it's Sam Lammers is running through on goal and Joe Hart's just the experience to rush out, completely force him off his game a bit. And it's games like this where as much as your worries about Hart making a mistake are heightened just because of the importance of the game, these are the games where you've got to be utilising his experience a bit more. And if you're going to call upon one singular performance from Joe Hart this season, you're going to go back to that final game in the Champions League where the, the, it was a very competitive game. They were going to be coming at you with a lot of chances and Joe Hart was at the top of his game. Um, his performance on that day was arguably one of the biggest differences between um, the win and, a win and a loss on that night. And if you can call upon a similar performance from Joe Hart um, this weekend then it'll really help Celtic to victory because he's the sort of player he's got God knows how many caps with the English national team. You're looking to call upon his experience in a game like this and I think when you're looking at it, it's going to be Stephen Welsh coming into the team for Cam Carter because if he's injured, I think so, you're going to need a similar sort of command of the defence much like he had in the first derby this season where it was Liam Scales and Gustav Lagerbjörk at a fairly sort of unsettled and uncertain centre-back pairing. So you're going to need mm-hmm. Joe Hart at the top of his game. See, when you look at the uh, the situation with Joe Hart then, right, and the fact that we've been speaking about priorities in the transfer uh, market, 
both in January and then obviously going into the summer as well. You've mentioned in the past, James, uh, you don't do that business in January. Has your opinion on that changed at all? Well, it's not my opinion that we don't want to do it. It's just how I think Celtics see it. I think there's a good few players that you would you should be looking at to improve the Celtic first team because we're at a title race now. And to win title races, you have to add quality to the team. And there is definitely positions that you can pick out on that team. I'm sure people in the comment can bring, can pick out players on that park all day long that you would be looking to try and improve. It's just I don't think Celtic really see it that way. That for years it's always been you're bringing up like oh, Mikael Lustig's got an injury. or bringing Jeremy Toy on loan till the end of the season. So and so and so and so, or it'll be a project player like a Patrick Clamalla or a a vacuum buyer who would never really see the light of day at Celtic. But I want that approach to change. I want us to go and bring in some more players. And it seems like Celtic might be veering towards doing some things a bit differently. I can't remember if it was Stephen McGowan or if it was Mark Kenji that reported it, but they're looking to bring in two or three sort of first-team quality players, which is exactly what we need. I mean... We need a bit of urgency at this point because, as I mentioned, they are in a title race now. You have to be spending the money and you have to be going out to make sure this team is as strong as possible to ensure you have the best chance of winning this league. And you definitely need a few signings in January to do that. And that all stems from just a poor summer chance window. And we, we, were, we, were looking, we were calling it that back in September. The Celtic support were calling yeah. it that back in September. And the the call was you've spent so and so how much however much money they just except that you've signed how much spent how much money on so many players and now we're looking at that as you spent eight million pounds on two centre backs who aren't making the squad you've spent two million pounds on a winger who just isn't really playing that much there's so many players we've signed in that summer transfer window that just are nowhere near the Celtic squad the only one is Luis Palma he's the only player who looks like. Mm-hmm. He could be European caliber. The only player who looks like he could be a starter for Celtic. And it's just a bit of a damning verdict of that summer chance window. We've had loads of good conversations about this privately and also on the show, James. And yeah, we don't have to say it. Everybody, I think, agrees it was a really poor transfer window. We've been saying it since it happened. You know, that some of the, the titles of the earlier Axon Bulletins this season were you know, when's the biggie? When's the one coming? It's like going shopping. You go and do your weekly shop, you buy stuff for the freezer because you know it's going to be thaw out. Later on, you can use it a couple of weeks down the line. We just bought everything for the freezer. There was nothing that we could actually whip up for uh, immediate consumption. And uh, obviously, Palma, from the players that have come through, uh, Palma has shown it. And I made the point, James, you, you, you said about European calibre. I think we should always be buying players that uh, you think can either fit into the team for the Champions League, or can become that player, Hatate O'Reilly-esque. Um, but when it comes to Palma, I was looking at his minutes in the Champions League, and he's played, I think it's 300 minutes, right? Um, he's played 300 minutes in the Champions League, he scored two goals. And I know that he's maybe had five appearances, but uh, obviously he never started all the game, never finished all the games. And he all, all also had that goal against Lazio chopped off. So I think he has made an impact right, at Lacey's. that level. Yeah, I know. I know the the, the laces of uh, made us boot. Uh, it has made an impact at that level, and I think that you know we we've been pretty critical in here because he is inconsistent. I've raised a bit of a concern about his discipline. He, he picks up far too many bookings. He disappears from games when you need to dig in. You need to get the fight. I'll come to Bernardo later because I think we've seen a bit of that from him the other night, which is great to see Bernardo. You know when he scores that scrappy goal and he gets dug in, he does all the dirty work, the, a lot of the work that goes under the radar. And I think, you know, we'll get into the midfield and why he's been selected in the last two games uh, with one eye on the Rangers game. But yeah, Palma, I think from that clutchy signings has definitely been the, the shining light. Uh, but we'll also get into the situation that we now find ourselves in when it comes to wingers. I think it's Would bizarre. It? I just wanted to touch again on Palma. I was thinking about this um, yesterday and when I was making up my my player ratings article, I don't know, is it that controversial of an opinion to say that Luis Palma has been our second best player this season behind Matt behind, O'Reilly? Behind Matt O'Reilly. So I was I weighing up. It's an argument to be had. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine I'd get called absolutely ridiculous if I said he was better than Matt O'Reilly this season. But I think out of the players this season, I think he might be second best. It's, 
every player this season, even Matt O'Reilly has had inconsistencies. There's been I think the last yeah. few weeks Matt O'Reilly's not looked as influential as it was at the start of the season, and it could be a bit of recency bias given Palmer's probably been our best player the last two games. But I think there's a lot of discourse. I know his, his corners might annoy you. Um, they might seem a bit one-dimensional at points, but the amount of chances he creates in every single game, those chances that are put on a plate that are getting passed up by Celtic's forwards and Celtic's midfielders, he's creating them. Yeah. Because in the last two games, there wasn't Dyson Maida creating the chances. There's a reason he was the guy getting hooked. Everything um, left. Mark. It was, they were all coming through Luis Palma. I think it's, it's gone a bit understated how good of a signing he has been at this moment. And I think in a couple more months, I think fans are really going to realise just how good a player he really is because it's European calibre that we've been crying out for. So I don't get how there can be so many complaints about a guy who's got two goals in the competition. Then we're questioning yeah. his abilities when there's players who have all taken to so much that haven't been doing the same thing. Well, James, I think what you do after the Rangers game, here's here's something that uh, for you to to look at. We look at all the player ratings that you've done for all the games this season, and you'll see you'll see who the second in the list is. And it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Palmer. Feed the bear. Always great to see you in the comment section on YouTube. Thank you very much for supporting a Celtic state of mind. We have got huge plans for 2024. Massive. Uh, we're pushing everything further uh, when it comes to Axon. Uh, your daily bulletin will always be at 12.30. A wee bit like Coronation Street, 7.30 at night. You know it's there. Uh, but there's loads of Well, if you were going to compare it to a soap, it need to be Corey. I'm not having, you know, <laughs> EastEnders, uh, Emmerdale, High Roads, or even El Dorado. Um, people will be shouting River City, I get it, right? I, but, uh, you know, you know where they are every day at 12.30, but there's loads more to come. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well, and Happy New Year to every single person that tunes into Axom, either daily, once a week, once a month, now and again, whenever. Thank you all for your support. Uh, John Mullane comes in to say, let's go, boys. Yes, we are getting that vibe where we're starting to feel the pre-match kind of tension creeping in Jungle Lion. Huge day on Saturday could define the season. And for everybody on the socials that say, does Jungle Lion sponsor Axel? No, he's just on every day. And he comments every day. So the uh, the chances are, you know, unlike Celtic Corners, you do it enough times and you're going to get a result. Paul McLean comes in as well. For Celtic to get anything out of the, this Hatati and Abada must play Drop me to the bench. Right, we're going to go through the team, and this is a talking point. I disagree with Paul here, right? Uh, because we opened the show up. Uh, listen, if it's based on ability, 100%. But we opened the show up, James, talking about momentum, rhythm, uh, and using the last two games to get that understanding. Now, I know Abada and Hatati have, have been through this before, they know how to play against Rangers. They've done it very successfully in the past. But I've always got a concern about a player just coming back for injury and it's a big game, you're so keen, you just throw them in. I've always got a concern about that. I'm trying to think of that, an example. Do they play? I've tried to think of an example of that because there definitely is one in recent Celtic history where I can't think of one off the top of my head. Was it... Was Remember it, the European was... game? Kyogo and McGregor. They came out of nowhere and they were thrown into the start of living. By the you way, can... it worked out, so I'm probably contradicting myself. But... You look at the, other, the other side of the coin, I think it was a race against time for odds. Ned wanted to be fit for the was it the 2019 League Cup final. And the team comes out, you see, oh, it's Ned Ward travelled with the team. Everybody's getting excited, he's going to play. And then you get the team and you see it's Lewis Morgan up front with Mikey yep. Johnson on the wing. Then all of a sudden you're a bit, oh. But we won that final at the end and it ended up as much as we won good on the day that was one of the most enjoyable League Cup final victories I'm sure over the last few years I've completely got off course for your question what was your question El Yunusi El Yunusi <laughs> there's an example El Yunusi was playing as though he had still had his moon boot on in the Cup oh, final oh yeah that he was never played he should never have played that game and never played wasn't the same that season he'd been in great no. form that season but he gets thrown in for there and you probably couldn't pick a good performance from him for the rest of that season yeah, I, I've always got my concerns, Paul. Let us know in the comments section if you agree with Paul McLean. If Abada and Hatati are fit, um, has Rogers been saving them for the big one? Is he going to throw them in? We've been crying out, I think, for uh, strong wings rather than just one strong wing, James. We've had one strong wing all season. Uh, we need to be firing on both cylinders. Um, and Hatati, of course, is the playmaker, and we've been missing him. 
Uh, we really have been missing him and we've been playing four other midfielders in his absence. Do you throw the two players straight in? Let us know in the comment section. We're talking um, through the team at the moment, James, and we've already spoken about Hart. Now, I've been noticing in some of your, your blog entries that um, you're not as convinced with Johnson's performances this season. You don't think he's been as good or as consistent as he has been uh, in the past. Is it just a wee phase he's going through? Because I still think Johnston is, for me, he's an out-and-out defender. Uh, I don't think he does the overlap quite as well as Tony Ralston does. Uh, you know, I think Ralston's very good at the overlap, hitting that byline, getting the ball in, whipping the cross in. I don't think Johnston does that with the same um, kind of regularity um, or precision. And I also don't think that he and Maida have got a particularly good understanding down the right-hand side. Um, although, in saying all that, he still starts on Saturday for me. Yeah, I think if I'm just going to go based off of Brendan Rodgers' comments from during the week. It was on Rio Tati said he's probably not looking good for a start, but on the bench, maybe there's, there's a chance that both can make an appearance. But he mentioned specifically with Hatati, there's not a chance for a start. He didn't say the same with Abada. He said mm-hmm. with Abada, there's been, he's had him staying home to do extra sessions. He's been looking sharp in the shooting and the finishing drills. So I think if there's a chance anybody's going to start, I'm going to make a surprise call. I think it's going to be a badder and Palmer on the wings. It's it's a massive call, That's especially call. considering the importance for Dyson Maida in these fixtures. But I think Leila Bada is just important in these fixtures. I think he, do, he does a decent bit of the press, and obviously not as much as Maida. He's an absolute animal when it comes to the pressing. But what Celtic need is, right now, we don't need... We don't need running, we need goals. We need numbers because the amount of chances that we've been passing up, the problem hasn't been creating chances, the chance the problem has been finishing them off. And Correct. we've seen as much as the Abada might be lacking a bit of sharpness coming into this game. He's proven time and time again for Celtic, especially against Rangers, that he's a really clinical finisher. I'm sure if you go and check who Leo Abada scored the most goals against in his career, which team he scored the most goals against, I'm sure Rangers will be up there because he always seems to score in these derby matches. And I was speaking really highly <coughs> on a bad at the start of the season. I said he was going to be one of the best players on the Brendan Rodgers. And mm-hmm. I think you've seen this season that we've really missed him. Because a player who has the knack to pop up with a goal when he's not at his best, or even when the team's not at their best, he can still pop up with a goal. That's incredibly important to the team. And there's games like that loss away at Kilmarnock or the loss at home at Hearts, where you could have used someone like Abada to, to put away one of these chances. They helped drag the team back into the game. And I think having him on the opposite wing with Palmer creating the chances, it'll be a really interesting dynamic. It'll be a massive risk as well, though, uh, which will Brendan Rodgers take. If I was going to pick the team, I would play Leo Abada. But I'm going back on myself. Now, I would play Leo Abada, but I think Brendan Rodgers will probably pick Dyson Maida. Mm-hmm. based on the fact that he's played the last two games. I've just gone back on myself. I know. I've just backed You've talked yourself the, out of it. I've just backed myself away from the big call. But if I was picking a team, I'd pick Leila Bada. But I think Brendan Rodgers will pick Dyson Maida. The point was brought up, so we've jumped onto the wingers from the right back. We'll go back in a wee moment once we've uh, finished having a chat about the wingers. I think there's always the big discussion point. Um, whether or not you rate him as a footballer or a defender or not, uh, when it comes to the opposition, James Tavernier um, is a threat. He's, he's one of Rangers' main threats. He has been over the last few seasons. Um, AGSC Tech, who come in, comes in quite a lot in the comments section. I don't know if you're able to watch live, but you made a comment on the YouTube video after the live uh, broadcast yesterday saying that you had been watching him this season and he was playing more of an inverted um, role during the game. So he might start off in his traditional right-back role, but then he's inverting uh, throughout the match. So that's something to look out for. I think that you always say Maeda because of that threat. You always think, right, Palmer's never shown really that he's got that defensive quality that I think in the past we've had from wingers like Maeda. Um, we've also had it from the aforementioned El Yanusi. I thought he was very good defensively, El Yanusi. I think that's why I wanted to see him under... Ange Postacoglu, I thought he would have been a, a great winger for Ange. Um, but we didn't do the deal, and obviously he's doing pretty well now with Copenhagen in the Champions League this season. So I think when you look at the wingers, the reason I'm going for Maida is for the running. 
because it's one of the games we're not going to have the same kind of chance creation. It is for the running, and I think then Palmer gets switched to the other wing. Whether or not he is as uh, effective on that wing, I don't know. But we've got to nullify the threat as well as create our own chances. And I think also uh, the big reason for it is um, behind Maida is, of course, Greg Taylor. Now, in the last two games, and, and I would expect to see this in the comments, people commenting on this, Taylor's been very good. But in the last two games, Taylor hasn't had to defend. This is this is the big, glaringly obvious sign for me. When Taylor is attacking and he's playing more of that inverted role and he's overlapping uh, Palma and he's getting on the end of Palma's wee knockoffs and, and all this kind of stuff, I think he looks very effective. Greg Taylor looks like a very effective player. Although I think that he wanders quite a bit. He wanders and he, and he shuts down areas that uh, he shouldn't be in just because he's positional play, etc. The minute we start getting attacking, uh, attacked rather, um, then, we're in, then we're in danger. And I think that was shown more so against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park than at any other point in the season. The two goals they scored, there was nowhere. Now, if Livingston or Dundee, for that matter, were to have broken and had that speed and, and uh, the incisive pass, the situation would have been the same against us because Taylor spent the vast majority of the game in the final third. So I think what you need to do to combat that is have that defensive quality of a Maeda in front of him. It's all right playing Livy and Dundee, James, but when you're playing Rangers and they are going to be on the front foot for parts of this game, you need to have Maeda's defensive quality on the left-hand side. So that's the reason why I would start with the two winners we've started with in the last two games, but I'd switch them. I'd switch their wings. Yeah, it's understandable. I think Taylor, he does get caught wandering at times, but then again, he does take up some good positions at the same time. There's... There was a good few occasions in the game against Livingston at Celtic Park where he'd be in a perfect position in in the box to fire a fire one across goal. But then again, on the flip side of the coin, against that then that Kilmarnock game, uh, one of the sort of higher caliber players in the league, and Danny Armstrong for the teams outside, the Celtic and Rangers running at him, it caused him a lot of problems. They really couldn't handle Danny Armstrong on that day, and I think. Uh, the, the issue is with the wide backs. It doesn't just stop with Greg Taylor. I think Alistair Johnson hasn't exactly been at his best this season either. If anything, he's sort of stagnated because every single game last season, I feel like he was getting better and better and better and better. It was rising to the occasion. Every challenge he threw on, whether it was a, a trip to Ibrox in his first game in a Celtic shirt or cup finals or whatever the like, he was always playing well. And it sort of slowed down. He picked up a knock against Dundee which I'd, I'd use that to excuse him getting caught out quite a few times but he got I think a knock if, as well didn't he yeah he, got, like, he yeah. went off really early in that game but I think if you're looking for players to step up for this game I'd be saying I'd be wanting more from the fullbacks just because that's where Rangers sort of best player is James Tavenier and Abdallah Seema are Rangers best players at the moment and they're going to be targeting those areas so you need them at the top of their game or else they're going to cause problems. We know Alistair Johnson, we know the quality that he can bring our game and hopefully he can rise to the occasion again because I've seen him do that so often for Celtic mm-hmm. and you ought to see him back to his best. You know, he, he needs to step up. Now, the, the final point I'm going to make on the, the wingers uh, because I think the, the situation that we're in at the moment, if we're talking uh, going into January and transfer windows and strengthening the side, I want a left back uh, to come in who does for us what Alistair Johnson does for us, whereby Tony Ralston immediately becomes your second pick. He becomes your backup. And if Tony Ralston needs to play, he brings his own qualities to the game, but he's definitely the backup, James. Anybody who disagrees, let me know. Tony Ralston's my favourite Celtic player. I've said it before, I'm not joking. It's no tongue-in-cheek. I like that type of journey of a Celtic player. Ah, I've said it multiple times in the show. You need a player like Ralston who... Well, you might be a bit worried if you see him named in the team for a Champions League match or whatever. Domestically, nine times out of ten, he'll do the job he's asked upon. He's a yeah. solid, dependable option that you can bring in for league games. And you're not going to find... that has got a controversial opinion. I get pulled up at it quite a bit. But you're not going to find a European-caliber player who's content being a backup right-back for Celtic. They're no. just not going to be contempt with that but you get a player like Anthony Ralph or even someone like Stephen Welsh who's quite easy to point the finger at Welsh absolutely for criticism I think they can do just fine as a solid and dependable option waiting in the wings 
I agree with that. And I think Greg Taylor's that type of player as well. And I think that's where the problem is. I think we're playing a player who's on that second tier at Celtic. And by the way, you can... You've got a squad big enough to have that luxury, James. I mean, we're going to get to the wingers in a minute, but we're now in a ridiculous situation with centre-halves and wingers where, you know, we might actually be up against it if one person gets injured or two wingers go to the Asian Cup, which is what we're facing, well, three even go to the Asian Cup. This is the situation we're now facing. And it throws us into a bit of disarray, even though we've got something like eight centre-halves and eight wingers. So on the left-back question, Burnaby is so far out of the picture... He's like Kobayashi. He needs to I go. Prefer, I prefer we didn't revisit my calls from the start at the start of the season. I'd, I'd I wasn't going to mention like it. That. Wasn't going to mention it, James. Wasn't going to mention it. Um, but Bernabe was a bad bit of recruitment. You move him on. You get what you can take from. You move him on. It's another jersey we can bring in who contributes to the, the team. And I'm not looking for a left back to push Greg Taylor for a game. I'm looking for a left back to do what Johnson's done. He's came in. He's claimed the jerseys he's on, and the guy that's there already becomes your number two. Taylor's your number two. We bring in a top quality left back. And I think at the centre, central defensive areas, you mentioned Welsh. I see Welsh as that type of player as well. You know, where you bring him into, I would say, any domestic situation and you think he's going to do the job. And I include Saturday in this, by the way, because that is going to be a, a topic of discussion. Scales, I think there's a discussion to be had whether he's that type of player. Um, because I think we've tried three times in the summer to bring in a replacement for staff felt, yet out of the, the the three players that came in, none of them has grabbed the, the, the nettle and it's been down to scales to do that. And fair play to him, a proper Ralston-esque resurgence and resurrection in that player. But I think if you're going to progress in Europe, and this isn't going down on scale, it's not an issue with Taylor, it's just if you want to progress in Europe, you need to have a better quality than that. You need to have another CCV in the central defensive area. You need to have another standard a player like Alistair Johnson at left-back, then you can start moving forward. That's why we've got so many issues at the back. But with the wingers, I put out a tweet today. I still call it a tweet. Sorry, guys. Retro. Um, I put out a tweet today uh, on the back of the news that both Yang and O are going to the Asian Cup. And um, the point I made was, we will we be in the market for a winger as well as a striker now that these guys have been... Uh, picked for Jurgen Klinsmann. Will we finally see Rocco Vata in the team? Well, Will we finally get that? Listen, that is the uh, only an excuse sketch right there. If we don't, uh, you'll play anybody except him. You know, remember the Riordan um, sketch under Gordon Strachan where he wouldn't play, he would play anybody except Derek Riordan. It's a wee bit like that. So we're now in a situation where, right, we lost Jota. So what did we have at, the situ- at that time? We had Maida and Abada who would have been your first picks on the wings, right? On the backup, we had Jamesy Forrest, and we had Mikey Johnson. And then we had the young guy coming through, Rocco Vata. So we already had five. We bring in three. We bring in Yang, Palma, and Tilio. So we're up to eight. We're up to eight wingers. And then Jurgen Klinsmann picks Yang and O for his squad. We don't know if Maida's going yet. We know Tilio's going. We're Australia. So potentially, we'll be three wingers down. We'll be three wingers down. And the question was, is a winger now something that we're going to be in the market for? Which I think is ridiculous when you've got eight guys on the books, James. And had we got to this stage of the season and built on Rocco Vata's performances last year where he got four appearances under Ange, we might have thought, you know what, we're, we're okay. He's got some game time in his legs. We can run with that. But he's not. Abada's coming back from injury. I think Palmer is looking really good. You've got James Forrest and Mikey Johnson. We'll come back to Mikey in a wee minute. But that was the question. Are we now looking also for a midfield, uh, a winger? And if we are, it really is bad squad management. We knew the, the, the Asian Cup was coming up. I don't think anyone expected Tilio with his lack of game time or Yang having only won one cap previously for South Korea to be going to this tournament. Everybody was talking about Oh, Maeda, Kyogo, Hatate if he was fit. But nobody was talking about these two guys, Tilio and Yang. And we're now in a situation where you're going into... Uh, January into February, just over a month, where these guys won't be available, James. Do we run with what we've got in the wings? So with, uh, with everybody away, how's it looking? You've got what Palmer and Abada, who you'd be expecting to be the starters with James Forrest, Mikey Johnson and Rocco Vata waiting on the wings. Is is that the, the options we have? It's yeah. been made out quite a lot. Was people will point to the summer transfer window for it that 
how are you getting to the point where you're turning to Mikey Johnson? How is James Forrest starting a game in 2023? But you can't prepare for the sheer amount of injuries and absences that Celtic have had. It's just, just the same way where Liam Scales initially had to step in for the game. We'd signed three centre-backs already. There's no way you can prepare for the amount of injuries Celtic have had. And I don't think there should be a real urgency to go out and sign a winger. I think there is other positions that need addressing more than we need a winger. And we should have enough options there to handle it already. I know people might not want to see the likes of Mikey Johnson or James Forrest stepping in for games, but we don't have any European football after Christmas. It's just going to be a case of seeing things through domestically. And I don't have any worries unless we get some crazy draw in the Scottish Cup. We should still be able to navigate our way through those fixtures with Palmer, Abada, Forrest, Johnson and Vat. I don't even think you'd include him in the equation because I don't really see him getting a chance. He's out the pitch. As much as some of those players might be a bit unfavoured by supporters, truth be told, that should be strong enough to see your way through those domestic fixtures unless you're worried about lining up against Bucky Thistle with some of them playing or whatever. And just on the other side of the things with the Asian Cup, Graham Arnold, the Australia national team manager, brought up a good point that he said, I think they extended the... Sorry, I've got the cold. I've got a really bad cold. Um, for the Asian Cup, the squads were initially 23-man squads. Mm-hmm. And it was because they got expanded to 26 players that Marco Tillio got, in, got included in that team. So he wouldn't have been included if it was the initial squads anyway. But imagine he can get some playing time, he can get some minutes and he can make an impact in that tournament. Then does that unlock a new lease of life for some of these players that Celtic? If you look at that side of things, if he can play and if he gets some minutes, who knows? It could it could give him some something new to do at Celtic. Yeah, well, we've seen how international football can benefit players who are not regulars at the club. And one guy that that definitely was the case with was the bold Mikey Johnston. Uh, Mikey obviously came on against uh, Dundee, done really well, got his brace, a uh, couple of goals, full of confidence. Um, but he, he is definitely a backup. He's a backup option. Um, and we floated the uh, discussion around the fact that, he's, you know, you drop him. You don't drop him. He, he doesn't get into the uh, the starting 11 against Rangers. Um, what's that going to do for his confidence? Well, why would he really expect it? Because it's on the entirety of his performances uh, over the, the piece under Brendan Rodgers. And I think that when you're looking at uh, what James said about uh, Rocco Vata as well, we've been very vocal about the fact that he should have been getting more game time. However, uh, I would always uh, follow that up by saying we're not looking at the training um, and the way that people are applying themselves and the attitude, etc. We don't know any of that when it comes into um, the equation. So when it comes to the wingers, I would tend to agree with you, James. And I think we've got another option. And the other option actually is Kyogo. But again, you know, we don't know if he's going to be picked yet because he's, his form's not been great and he has been dropped previously by the Japanese uh, national manager. So we'll need to wait and see on that one as to whether or not he's going to be available. The centre-halves, let's get to that. Let's get to the nitty-gritty of Cameron Carter-Vickers. He's a player that we've relied upon for going into three seasons now, James. And um, it's horrible to see when a guy like that goes down. And I don't want to see it when McGregor Kyogo, Carter Vickers, O'Reilly, Hart, you know, you're chop your spine of your team. And when they go down like that, on the eve of the Rangers game, and you're thinking, here we go again. If you cash them in back to the one nothing game at Ibrox, where we've gone into that, we've had to do the old panic buy. People call it an emergency buy, panic buy, bringing in that Phillips, who wasn't available for the game anyway. Lagerbelk and Scales lined up. Um, we're potentially looking at Scales and Welsh on Saturday. Right. So the big question is, well, I'm, I'm not going to say are you happy with that because what you would be happy with is Carter Vickers. But um, going into that game, uh, have you enough confidence that those two guys can do the job against Rangers? I mean, we've seen them playing against Feyenoord. I thought they'd done really well at home against Feyenoord. And of course, the other day there, 55 minutes it was when Carter Vickers went off, Welsh comes in and he partners Scales in the defence. I like Scales, always have done. But I think I regard him like Ralston and Taylor in that kind of second tier of player. James, are you confident he can come in and do a job against Rangers? Sorry if you can hear my cat scratching to get into, into the room. You can maybe hear her scratching at the door there. But um, 
We all want to know what the cat's name is. Lily's the cat. There's unfortunately no there's no Celtic names. That was the name she had when we got her. There's no there's no Henrik the cat or something of this sort of life. There's probably plenty in the comments have some Celtic related pets that they could absolutely they could let us know about. But for the centre backs, I think there's only really one duo you can name, I think. You'd be watching the game through the gaps and the fingers in your hands if Nat Phillips was to be named in that Celtic team. They, they, they can't be, um, can't have Nat Phillips playing, especially after that performance away to Kamaraki. He wasn't really at his best. Um, but I think uh, Stephen Welsh, he saw after that, that final game, he does go off injured eventually, but <clears throat> I thought he was really good on the day. Stephen Welsh is someone that I've always thought is. Um, Steve Welsh is always a player that I thought has gone on, come under a bit unfair criticism when he's been at Celtic. I think he's a good passer of the ball. He's, for his height, he's actually pretty good at winning headers. And he's usually pretty composed defensively. It's just when most people think of Stephen Welsh, they'll go back to that 10 0 season where Celtic weren't, well, we were far from our best, obviously. And Stephen Welsh was playing in the latter stages of that season where results then derby matches weren't exactly convincing. I think there was one where we lost 4-1 where Stephen Welsh wasn't really at his best at all. But he's, he's come on a lot from then and I think you'll be looking for him to rise up and have a really top performance in the derby this weekend, similar to how he rose to the occasion for that final game. I think one thing that's been common with Celtic the last few years is in the European games, there's always been a dead rubber match where all of a sudden we'd pop up with some crazy win with the likes of a Mikey Johnson player on the wing. I think about that game against Rennes where we beat them 3-0. Yeah, you think about these games where players just pop a bit of nowhere. You get all oh, the fringe players coming together to pull out a phenomenal performance. And Welsh has done that a few times and you'll be looking for another top performance from, from him again this weekend. Yeah, I think so. There was a pass he played actually across uh, across the field against Dundee and it was it was tremendous. You know, if, if a playmaker had made the ball um, work the way he did and it was a ball that he played out to Palmer we'd have all been raving about it uh, but Stephen Milch's distribution short and long passing has been excellent I feel I'd like to see his stats I think he's a player again who's been through the, his own journey of uh, really being left out in the cold in season two under Ange Postecoglou and then it got into the, the the summer period and I felt he was going to be a guy that was on his way out James and then he was handed that contract by Brendan Rodgers I think Brendan likes to do that with young young players, he likes to take them under his wing, uh, build them up, and I think he's doing that a wee bit with, with Stephen Welsh. Um, he's he's ahead he's a of Kobayashi, uh, Nat Phillips, Lagerbjelk, and Novroski. He's, he's ahead of all four of those guys. And, you know, the, the biggest concern about all four of them isn't Kobayashi, right? He's came in, it's no worked out. Let's get him moved on like we did with Idiguchi. Uh Nat Phillips, he's came in as an emergency and because Scales is playing so well, he's not he's not had as much game time. Okay, that's just timing. You move him back to Liverpool. That's fine. No concerns really about those two guys. Lagerbjelk is a concern, but at least Rogers has seen him and utilised him and decided, I don't fancy him. But Novroski's the biggest concern out of a lot of them because he's just nowhere. He's absolutely nowhere. And when Rogers gets asked about him in the press conferences, James, because it is, it's a bizarre situation to be paying that kind of money he was, if, if you want to put marquee signing, he was the big buy of the summer. Um, and he's just not played. You know, a couple of games, I, I said there was uh, elements of his game that I liked that reminded me of Jozo Simunovic. I liked Simunovic as a centre-half. I liked Benkovic as a centre-half. If they could have stayed fit, they would have been a great partnership. Celtic were all um, kind of set to to make Benkovic's loan deal permanent. And it was going to cost us nine million quid, James. Then he got injured. You know, people forget how far down the line that was as well. But yeah, I think that Novroski's the biggest enigma for me. Uh, it's bizarre. And you ask yourself, what are you going to do with this guy? Because we've seen it in the past where we've brought somebody in uh, on a hefty transfer fee. And it's difficult to move them on because their, their wages have taken a hike. You're never going to get your money back. I mean, the biggest surprise was Klamala when we somehow managed to get three and a half back for him. Um, what do you do with these guys then? I think we're, we're resigned to the fact that Kobayashi and Phillips are away. That's fine. Uh, well, Scales, Kata Vickers are all first teamers. What about the rest of them, though? What do we do with them? That's, 
The Mike Navrocki's situation in Celtic has been one that's absolutely baffled me because he was the record signing. He was, mm-hmm. you've sold Carl Starfelt and he looks like the player's going to replace him. And he starts the first two games of the season, so it looks like he's favoured by the manager. So he must really, really not be showing it in training at all because he's not even had a look in Lagerbielke as much as he's been the one who's been spoken about the most because he's actually played a bit more and he's made some more appearances. Even Lagerbielke's getting on the bench ahead of Rocky. So what does that yeah. say about his standing for the, for these sort of games? I mean, you think we'll see him at some point, that Bucky Thistle game in, in January. Surely that is where we eventually see your Quans. You're Navrocki, you just, you're, it's two days before the Asian Cup, so we might even see Marco Tilly on that game. But I think Navrocki might stay around. I think the fact you've paid that much money for him, you have to give him a chance to prove himself because when he's been on the park, he hasn't really put much of a foot wrong. I think mm-hmm. Lager Bielka, it seems that the solution for Zelda is to sell him. It seems we're going to look to move him on on a permanent deal, which again, it's been baffling because I don't think he's put much of a foot wrong in a Celtic jersey. You just think about, you've got that final game away, it's his Champions League debut. It makes a couple of errors and things have really been downhill since then. I mean, he gets that late goal in the reverse fixture and he's dropped from the squad completely. I mean, we've spoke about how good Brendan Rodgers' man management is, but that was an example of bad man management. I mean, a player pops up with a goal like that, you could at least reward him with letting him appear on the bench or something. I mean, that was a really surprising situation there. But I think for the game this weekend, there's only really two centre-backs you can play for a solid performance. And it's got to be Scales and Welsh. Scales' resurgence this season is really completely thrown up all of Brendan Rodgers' plans because I think Navrocki was expected to be that star-felt replacement. You've paid the big money from. He's playing the games at the start of the season. So I thought he was going to be the man to play that position, but Scales' resurgence has completely thrown everything up. And I think Scales can have a part to play long-term. I don't think it was a purple patch. And I think the, the big question will be, we'll see the second half of this season, but I think Liam Scales could even be starting for Celtic next season. He could be the starting centre-back this season. That could be the situation sorted. When you talk about Lagerbilt, he stocks high in Sweden. He won the award Best Defender in the campaign last season. He's broken into the Sweden national squad. He scored a goal. So you strike why that fire is hot. I'm going to ask you the question. You've given me your, your uh, central defensive partnership. Who's on the bench then? Which central defender's on the bench? <laughs> on the bench, I think it'll probably be, probably be Lagerbilt. I mean, I sent over an article yesterday on the three centre-backs who could play the game, I didn't even mention Navrocki because he's completely out of the equation at the moment. Someone mm-hmm. like Maga Bielka, as much as he's out of the picture as well, he looks far more likely to step in and make an appearance. But I think that it would have to be Welsh and Scales starting and probably Lager Bielka on the bench. I mean, this would be Nat Phillips's last game for Celtic if he does make an appearance. It would be some way to go out if he threw him in for a start, but I think yeah, it will probably be probably be Lager Bielka on the bench. Oh, see when that graphic drops on the Celtic Twitter page if uh, Philip starts, James, it will be hearts and mouth moments for me. By the way, Don't double denim. I, I will. You've you've jinxed it. Hail, hail, folks! Build up to the weekend is on. Uh, we're accused of paranoia over fixtures. Shankland is better than Kyogo, apparently, and is uh, jails bound. And Mikey G is the new Jota. Silly season, indeed. Yeah. Chris Boyd just opens his mouth and lets his belly rumble at times. I mean, to, to suggest that. Celtic aren't obviously going to be in the market for a for a striker. I've I've been saying it on here since Joey Dawson came on against St. Johnson two years ago, Boxing Day two years ago, where we were right up against it and uh, Yakamakis was injured and Kyogo got injured in-game and we had to bring on a young Joey Dawson. He'd done all right that day, actually. Never seen him since. But uh, from that point should have on... should have scored, if I remember yeah, you should have. From that day on, we should have had a third striker. We never have. We've always had this thing in our mind where, oh, Maeda could play there or Abada can play there. And we're now in a situation where we've got two strikers and both of them potentially will be at the Asian Cup for four or five weeks or four or five games, including the Bucky Thistle game, by the way, which I think is the first one that these guys are going to miss. Yeah, we've been linked to various players. Um, I don't know, James. I've always uh, gone into the Fitzgarden um, kind of area, I think that 
as a player, we were definitely interested in the discussions were way down the line. It came down to a transfer fee with the club. Uh, do we increase that or are they willing to accept it at this stage of the season? Who knows what they're going to do? But um, some of the names that are thrown about and somebody in the comments section, I'm bringing it up not to criticise your unit packs. I just don't agree with this type of player for Celtic. I, I look at Celtic and think, right, as I say, we've got two like a two-tier system. You've got players like Tony Ralston, Stephen Welsh, Greg Taylor, David Tumble, who won't be happy with being in the second tier, which is probably why he'll leave. Mikey Johnston, that type of player. James Forrest, who you can call upon domestically to step in, but they're not your first choice. Van Veen, for me, is not a Celtic player. James, he had one decent season in Scottish football. He's he's post-30. No, he won't, he won't do for me. He's not that classy player that we need. What's your, your take on it? Yeah, I wouldn't be looking to sign someone like Van Veen, but I've been pretty consistent with you on the podcast that um, I, completely, I disagree with you. I don't think Celtic need a third-choice striker. I think that is overkill. You're spending too much money for a player who's not really going to get into the team. As much as we've criticised Kyogo's form, he's still been starting every week. Kyogo hasn't even really got a sniff, oh, even though Kyogo has been having a bad season, that's what I call it. So Overall, if there's no yeah. opportunity for a second striker to play there, where's the opportunity going to come from for a third-choice striker? Um I don't really see the need. I think, once again, you've got to be focusing on other positions on the park. I think two players for a position where one's going to play should be enough. And it's just we're just in the unfortunate situation where both our strikers are pretty good and from Asia and are going to get beaten getting called up for a tournament like this. So the links, with the links for strikers we have been linked with, the only player, the player that I would probably take is Boyan Mayovsky. He's scored the goals in the league, so there's not going to be as much of a sort of adjustment period, which is where we've seen project players, strikers such as a Bio and a Clamala fail. They've not been able to adapt to the Scottish game. So instead of taking a £3 million risk on someone like that, pay the £4 million on a player who can score in this league. Because you're not signing Blair Mielowski to play in a Champions League game. That's why you've got someone like Kyogo and you've got the other attackers to do things like that. We are signing a player to really fill a domestic gap for two months and then stay around as a consistent goal scorer. And I think Boyer Mayovsky could do just that. I think even someone like Lon Shanklin, for what we're looking at as a third-choice striker or even a second-choice, someone like Shanklin could come in and do a job like that. So I'd be looking to sign a player from inside Scotland because you're not looking to sign a player to go and score in those European games. The one that I would go for is Paul Mayovsky. I've seen Fabio Silva. I've just seen his name pop up in the comments. I wouldn't be going for someone like him. I've, first of all, Michael Ross popping up there. Wolves would want £11 million for Fabio Silva. I think we'd be going for him on loan anyway. And I had a little look at it. The Kyogos apparently had a bad season this season. And Fabio Silva's best ever season. He has two goals less than Kyogo has this season at the halfway point. So I wouldn't be looking for someone like Fabio Silva. But if I was going to sign any striker, I would probably go Mayovsky. But I wouldn't be looking to sign a striker anyway. No, fair play. You're sticking to your guns as well on that one, James. Uh, one final point. It's about the midfield. Matt McVicker, afternoon from Milton Keynes. Used to watch Matt O'Reilly down here and knew he was a baller from the off. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant season. I, I agree with you, James. I think the last couple of games haven't been uh, Matt O'Reilly's vintage. But he's a type of player you're looking to step either. up. No, he's not been bad. That's the thing. He's set a really high bar, isn't he? Um, and you're looking at me really step up against Rangers. We know he's got it in his cannon. Um, the, the interesting thing was the inclusion of Paolo Bernardo alongside uh, Matt O'Reilly and Callum McGregor. This is a final area of the park, I think, that's up for discussion. And I know that earlier on we had the suggestion that Hatati gets thrown right into the mix. I can't see it happening. I, I really can't see that happening. Bernardo plays a certain game. James, and this is why he was he was chosen for the Champions League games. Before the game against Dundee, I asked, what's his role? Why is he here? You know, we've got we've got cover in this position. Um, but he, he does a, a certain job for Celtic. And I think against a Rangers side who will be attacking for periods of this game, he's very important. Uh, again, though, I, one thing I need to point out about Bernardo, he gives away a lot of fouls. He does. He gives away a lot of fouls. He needs to be very careful because it's going to be a bit of a tightrope if he gets an early booking. Um, so as well as having to defend whatever set piece um, is awarded after the foul Bernardo needs to watch what he's doing he's going to start 
against Rangers on Saturday, isn't he? Yeah, one thing that Bernardo playing the team, he's been playing as a number six. So that's been allowing someone like Cal McGregor to go even further forward. His play's been a lot more advanced. And I think Cal McGregor's been one of our standout players. And in these last two games where I've got back in the one com, I think if you if Palmer's been the best player for me. But if you have to have a second best player, it would be Cal McGregor. His passing has been crisp. He's been making some good runs forward. And Cal McGregor's getting back to his best at the perfect time because he needs someone like Cal McGregor to be at the top of his game when you're playing in a derby match. You want your captain up for it. You want him up for the task. You want him playing well. And I think bringing in Bernardo, even when you were bringing in Iwata initially, you're seeing McGregor getting a bit better in his game. I think playing a midfield of Bernardo, McGregor and O'Reilly, that's probably the strongest midfield we can name. I think the game would pass David Turnbull by. This is why Bernardo gets picked in European games. Brendan Rodgers has said it himself. Those sort of games where it's a bit faster, they don't suit David Turnbull. But someone like Bernardo's got a bit more energy, a bit more of an all-rounder. These games suit him a bit more. So I think it will probably be Paul Bernardo on the team. Yeah, I would agree with that, James. Uh, you are going to be uh, flying off to Pastors New while Celtic are playing Rangers on Saturday. I need a prediction from you, though. You're not going to be able to fly away without giving me a prediction <laughs> for the big Glasgow derby. I'll go I'll go to 2-1 two Celtic. 2-1 two Celtic. 2-1 Celtic. I like it. AGSE, you got to share it earlier on. Bernardo wins a lot of second balls and really uses his height. He is a big lump and a big athletic lad and exactly what we need in the SPFL. And in this fixture, Turnbull is too passive and I think a decision's probably already been made on, on Turnbull, but we'll wait and see. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. We have the big game and then we've got Hogmanay in the new year to look forward to. We are going to be uh, continuing throughout that whole period uh, as always we'll take the uh, Sunday off with the bulletin and we'll be back on New Year's Day uh, because I'm hoping at that stage I won't have a fuzzy head and I'll be able to come on here don't know if I get anybody to join me we shall wait and see uh, but have a great uh, weekend and uh, Hogmanay as well we'll be back tomorrow at 12.30 as always uh, all that's left for me to say safe travels and thank you for joining me James McKenzie on a Celtic State of Mind Podcast Network.